Hey guys, and welcome back to the FFP. My name is Christian, joined here with Rob as always, and today we're going to be going over our Week 7 Waiver Wire pickups. We're going to be going over quite a few guys, so there will be timestamps down in the description below so you can know who we're going to talk about and when we're going to talk about them. I want to pass it over to Rob for a brief second. He's going to talk about bye weeks and injuries and such, but we always want to kind of preface this and let you know that sort of our strategy and philosophy for going through this video is to talk about a lot of players, but who aren't highly available. They aren't highly available, but that means they have talent. Guys who are 99% available, yeah, they'll be out there for you in your leaks, but they don't have as much value. So we're going to throw a lot of names at you, and hopefully at least a few of the guys that we discuss will be available options to you. And as always, use the comment section down below to ask questions, and we will go down there, do some Q&A, hopefully also be able to help you guys out that way. Make sure to look out for our Tuesday start-sit video, and on Friday we put out an injuries update video. So... That's all I've got for you. Let's pass it over to Rob. Yeah, so like you said, we love to uh, do this. And the reason why we do this, we want to lower the risk for you guys. Yeah, we give you guys that are widely available, but there's much more risk. We try to do that. Uh, and that's why we give you so many different players available on these videos. The other thing we always tell is contextualize this information. There are so many different leagues out there, scoring systems, this, that. So once you've got to flex this information for your league, we can't cover every possible scenario out there, but we try to do the best we can. Coming up on bye weeks, we'll look at uh, Carolina this week, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, and Tampa Bay are on a bye. And then we talk about injuries. Now it's the NFL, so every Sunday night, guys are banged up, they're hurt, they're injured, and we're really not going to know the follow-up from this until Monday, even Tuesday. Uh, the one that did stick out to me injury-wise, though, is we're going to talk about Will Disley. Uh, sounds like he had a, an Achilles injury that might be serious or serious ending injury, which I know that for a lot of you owners out there who are dying to have or struggling to find a good tight end, that's going to be a little bit heartbreaking. But we think we have some options for you that, that you could pick up and hopefully plug into them. So uh, those are some things to consider. Should we get right into our first guy? Let's do it. All right. So a bit of an obvious waiver wire claim here would be Drew Brees. Uh, he's a stud quarterback. This guy's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's been absolutely phenomenal throughout his career. There's no arguing it. That's why it's surprising to me to see him at 30% available. Um, I'm in many leagues where people love to own two quarterbacks. And if you own two quarterbacks, how isn't one of them Drew Brees? I don't understand that. In fact, I remember just a few years ago, we were in a league, 16-team um, league with people who weren't great. And so we had just four bench spots and somebody had four quarterbacks. <laughs> so it seems funny to me that people love to have backup quarterbacks, but Breeze isn't one of them. Not only that, yeah, he was injured. He got injured for quite a few weeks, but it's not like he struggled in week one. Week one, he had 25 fantasy points. He threw the ball 42 times for 370 yards and two touchdowns. So this is an obvious pickup, but he is too available for us not to mention him. Uh, I'm going to keep it short and end it here, but guys, Drew Brees, if he's out there, pick him up now before he comes back. He's going to have the fantasy value. Yeah, no, right now he hasn't started throwing a regular size football. He's starting throwing footballs. He's catching balls, so he's exercising. That sounds to me like he might be a little bit ahead of his recovery schedule there, but I don't think he's going to come back next week, um, especially the fact that they keep winning without him there, so why rush your star back? But with that said, you don't want to wait till that week that he actually is prepared to come back, and now you've got to fight other people for that waiver wire claim. Get out ahead of it, throw him on your bench now, and be set for the rest of the year. So uh, go ahead and be proactive on this one. Yeah, you know, when he first got hurt, hurt his thumb, it was expected that he would be back uh, week 10 after their bye week on week 9. Now it's looking like he's going to come back week 8. And again, I love what you said. They're winning games, so they don't need to rush him back. But the good news for him is it's not like there's quarterback controversy. Not only is he a Hall of Fame quarterback, but they're winning games off of their defense. They're winning games off their running game, off of good coaching and smart football. And so... We've seen Teddy Bridgewater is no Drew Brees, so there's no quarterback controversy as a, there as well. I feel like somebody may ask about that, so just want to clarify that as well. 
Another guy that you can look at out there you may be considering is Jimmy Garoppolo, 37% available versus Washington, allowing the seventh most points to quarterbacks. Now, I think initially when I looked at this one, I thought, hey, this looks like it could be a good stream for this week. But even though Washington can be exposed by quarterbacks, I think I would avoid him. And I'll tell you why. Um, a couple things. One, that 49ers defense is stifling. Um, and I can't imagine that the over-under in this game is going to be too high. I can't see Jeremy Garoppolo needing to throw the ball much because I don't see Case Keenum doing much against this Niners defense. That's really, really good. In fact, right now they're only allowing 12.8 points per game. And you look at how the 49ers play. They don't like to take too many chances on offense. They love to run the ball. I think that's a preferred scheme. I don't think they want to see Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball 25 to 30 plus times per game. They are first going into this weekend running the ball. They're averaging going into this weekend 200 rushing yards per game. And it doesn't matter if they got Breda, they got Coleman, Mostar, Wilson. I know somebody correct me on Breda, Breda. Hey, I hear, I don't really care. Um, you know who I'm talking about there. Now you add to that, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing fine, uh, but he's not playing great at this point. He's not a great quarterback option out there. On the year, he's averaging 1.4 TD passes per game and only 232 um, passing yards. So um, if you have to stream him, you can do that. I don't think he's a great option out there. I would try to look elsewhere if you had to. Once again, he is 37% available. He does have a good matchup, but I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. I think the Niners are going to run the ball a lot, play great defense, and he won't need to throw the ball too much. So probably find a better option. All right, so Gardner Minshew, I actually really like him, and we were just talking about this. He had a little bit of a hiccup, not a great week this last week, but I don't think that's a major concern, so let's get into it. And first of all, he's 42% available, uh, pretty highly available for, I think, what is actually a darn good quarterback option this week. Plays the Cincinnati Bengals, who allow the ninth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. That is 27 fantasy points per game. Those are pretty darn good numbers, and especially for a matchup against a quarterback who's been good. Gardner Minshew as a rookie has really impressed us. He's averaging 18 fantasy points per game, and that is with this last week having struggled, and that's what I'd like to address. So last week, uh, he went up against the Saints, and it was not a great week, but that Saints defense is very, very good. In fact, they played Dak Prescott and Jared Goff this year, and those two quarterbacks combined for just one passing touchdown against them. If that's what Dak Prescott and Jared Goff are doing, what do you expect a rookie quarterback to do? So I completely understand that. In the three games prior, he had three consecutive games with two touchdown passes. He's looked very good and very mature. He's honestly very much impressed me. Uh, and one of the other things I want to put it there is we come into this season, Nick Foles gets hurt and he gets in there. And to be honest, I think everyone's like, well, this guy, no expectations. It's probably going to be a bad season for the Jaguars, but he really impressed us and he played well. Then the other can really concern. The only other thing there being was, okay, he doesn't have the weapons, right? Who is he going to throw the ball to? But I feel like that's really been dispelled as a concern as well. DJ Chark has been absolutely phenomenal. DD Westbrook has been a good wide receiver too. And Leonard Fournette has been far improved this year. He's been vastly upgraded in his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. So I don't think he's got the best weapons in the NFL. They're far from elite weapons, but they're good weapons. They're very serviceable. And this is an awesome matchup this week. So I think Gardner Minshew is actually a quarterback I really like as a pickup. Again, 42% available. Another guy out there I think that you can stream this week that I think is a very good play is Josh Allen, who's 51% available, playing Miami, allowing the most points to quarterbacks. Now, I think he's continued to improve as a quarterback. You go back as a rookie, his quarterback rating as a rookie wasn't very good at 67. He's got up to 75 this year. Now, that doesn't sound like a big leap, but if you take out the Patriots game, um, that was really an anomaly. His quarterback rating has actually improved about 20 points. It would be about 87 this year. Also, if you take out that Patriots game, he's averaging 20.49 fantasy points per game. He did it against some tough defenses like the Titans. But here's what pushes really um, him over the edge for me. Why is the guy I think that you can play this week and feel very good about? That's his legs. 
Uh, this guy's got three rushing touchdowns this year. That's not a fluke. Last year he had eight. This guy uses his legs a lot. Gets near that uh, goal line, five-yard line, for example. Uh, he's a guy that will often run the ball there. And I think another thing that I like about this week, he's getting one of his weapons back. Devin Singletary should be back this week. He's got great hands. He's a very dangerous weapon in the passing game. Now Singletary went all the way to pregame warm-ups in week five, but couldn't show enough to the trainers to get activated in play. Um, he's had the bye week now to rest. He should be good to go. I think he's a great back, a great addition, good weapons there. I think he's got a great matchup. I like Josh Allen, 51% available if you need to stream a quarterback. All right, so it's time to, um, I guess, bring out all the haters who are going to absolutely trash on this pick, but Kirk Cousins. Um, yeah, there's some risk involved with this, and I'll clarify that ahead of time, but there's a lot to like about this guy. First of all, he's 54% available, and he plays the Detroit Lions this week. The Lions, by the way, at least heading into week six, were 29th in the NFL against the pass. Absolutely terrible pass defense. They have had a bad season. And I understand that Kirk Cousins has really struggled in important games. He's thrown big picks. He's had some huge mistakes. But the first thing I want to say is remember to take off your football hat and put on your fantasy hat. And remember that I don't care what type of football player he is. I care about the fantasy numbers that he's going to produce for me. And that is really, I think, the biggest thing we have to remember. Um, and this is a guy who had 30 touchdown passes last year. That was ninth in the NFL. So he's absolutely struggled this year in some games and been phenomenal in other games. He's very hard to break down. Against the Bears and the Packers, he was terrible. But against the Giants and the Eagles, he was phenomenal. And the other two games, what do we make of those? The Raiders versus the Falcons. Well, remember in the Falcons game, he attempted just 10 passes. He went completely unused because the Vikings completely dominated those teams. But he comes out today again, like uh, we were just talking about, he had a huge day, 333 yards, four touchdowns. He looks great. In fact, over the last two games, he has six touchdowns and 639 passing yards. He's got a QBR of 100 on the season. You can comp complain about his play as much as you want. That is the best metric that the NFL uses, the NFL has to measure a quarterback's production. And 100 is a pretty darn good number. Well, that was before today's game. Yeah. After today's game, that's going to go up. I'll probably be sitting around 110 for the year. Now, people are definitely going to drop in the comments and go, well, what about the interception he threw today? But that interception was his fault. Look at the interception. It was actually completely on Stefan Diggs. It was a great throw to Diggs, who was running an out route on the sidelines, making this tiptoe catch, and uh, went through his hands and off of his head, and then the defense caught the pick. Now, I remember playing football growing up, and they always say, if it touches your hands, you got to catch it. I don't know what they would say about if it smacks you in the face, but um, that has nothing to do with Kirk Cousins' play. So again, I'm going to wrap this up, and I'm just going to say you don't have to like him as a quarterback, but he's got a good matchup, and he has been playing very, very well. And actually, you know what? I do want to throw in one more thing, uh, because his production has been very, very tightly tied to the production of the running game. That play action has been a key part of the Minnesota Vikings passing game. And my concern going into this game was one of the best defenses against the run is the Philadelphia Eagles. And they actually, they really shut down Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook did not have a phenomenal day. His yards per carry were far lower than they have been the rest of the season. And Kirk Cousins said, I'm fine. That doesn't matter. I'm still going to have a good day. And so that was very impressive. Um, again, there's a lot of risk. I'm not saying I love him as a quarterback, but there's a lot to like there from a fantasy perspective in this week's matchup. Yeah, I think Dalvin Cook's success is what's setting up the play action. He's doing so well, even though his yards per carry went great. They get feeding the ball, and defenses have to respect him. He's having such a great year. And that's going to carry over to many other games where teams, I think, if I'm going lining up, do I want to stop Kirk Cousins or Dalvin Cook? Obviously, I want to shut down that running game and make Kirk Cousins beat me. So play action is going to continue to, I think, help him be an effective quarterback there. And, of course, I uh, love that my Vikings won today. And, of course, I got Kirk Cousins on, so <laughs> go Vikes.
What about Jacoby Brissett? He is 57% available. Uh, he's had a really good year. He did have a bump in the road versus Kansas City. But before that game, he was playing excellent. In fact, before that game, he had 10 touchdown passes, only one interception. Now in week seven, he's back at home where he's played much better at home versus the road. In fact, his passing yards at home are 288 passing yards per game on the road, 162. So he's just better at home. Why that is, there's a lot of reasons you could look at possibly why that's the case, but it's a huge bump going back home versus the Texans allowing the eighth most points to quarterbacks. Those Texans, once again, can be exposed by quarterbacks. Now when you minus the Texans when they face Kyle Allen, you take that game out of there, Quarterbacks, when they face the Texans, are averaging 25 passing, I'm sorry, 25 fantasy points per game. And so I think this is another nice streaming option out there. <clears throat> Not a great option, but a guy I think that you can definitely play this week and feel very confident in. Uh, talk about Sam Darnold real quickly. Two guys that I think you should avoid. Uh, we have to talk about, it's weird, because we don't always just talk about guys that you should play. We also like to talk about guys you should avoid and kind of speak to that narrative a little bit. Uh, Sam Darnold, 85% available, came back today, looked pretty good. That Jets team was way better with him at quarterback there. But next week, he plays New England. Okay, now he looked good against the Cowboys, but the Patriots have been very difficult. That defense is playing really well. Only one week back. I like that one more week before I felt like I could trust Sam Darnold. Yes, he might have to throw the ball a lot. They might be playing catch-up. I think you need to avoid him. Another guy is not in here in the slides, but another guy I think you should avoid who might be tempted is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is 92% available now versus Kansas City. Kansas City got Tyreek Hill back, and now Hill is back, and some other guys are getting healthier. Eventually, Samuel come back there, and that offense is going to become prolific again, scoring lots of points. So Flacco should have to throw a lot in this game, probably, right? Like, you can assume that pretty safely. But in his career, he's been primarily a game manager with an occasional solid game based on matchup. Now, minus this year's game when they play the Jags, he's only averaging 0.6 touchdown passes per game. You look at the Broncos, they love to run the ball with Freeman and Lindsey. Yes, he can pull off an occasional game like he did versus the Jaguars, but he carries risk. I would look towards somebody else. I'd probably stay away from Joe Flacco and just find a better option. Something like you said earlier in the video that just carries a lot less risk there. All right, so now it's 66% available. I think we absolutely have to lead the running backs off uh, with Chase Edmonds. Not only does he have a good matchup this week against the New York Giants, that defense has been very, very poor, uh, but this guy has some huge potential. And normally when we talk about these guys, I love to do a little bit of start sit, talk about their value this week. I'm going to avoid that. And actually, this is probably going to be pretty short and simple because he just has huge potential for big value. Let's just break down some of the simple numbers. First off, he has 19 carries. So I looked over his stats over the last few weeks. So he's got 19 carries, 139 yards, a touchdown on 7.3 yards per carry. That is very, very effective. Now, he's not huge in the passing game, um, but I don't think that is an absolutely huge detriment to him because he is not currently the starting running back. He's behind David Johnson, but this is where his value comes in. He is David Johnson slipping on a banana away from being a top 25 fantasy running back. David Johnson is struggling with his back. Two games ago, he left, couldn't even fly home with the team. He could barely walk or even stand up straight. I mean, that's how bad his back injury was. He was still able to play in this last game, which really surprised me. And I guess that's um, partially the way back injuries work. And I've seen other players that I've played in sports with who've done this very thing where they've gotten a back injury and couldn't finish the game out. But then, sure enough, the next game they're fine, and then they tweak it and they're out again. And um, This is really something that I want to talk about because Chase Edmonds, if you own... David Johnson, Chase Edmonds is a must-own. He is an absolute must-handcuff because I am starting to get very nervous about David Johnson. I am an owner of him. As well as if you're in deep leagues, if you've got the bench spot, take a shot on this guy. Like I mentioned, he doesn't have massive value right now. He's been very effective, but his value has been limited by simply not getting enough touches. 
If David Johnson goes out, which I feel at this point like it's a toss-up as to whether or not his health is going to continue to get better or get much, much worse. But if he does go down, Chase Edmonds becomes a top 25 fantasy running back for the weeks that David Johnson's out. So short and simple, Edmonds is a guy you need to pick up. Yeah, when you talk about back injuries, it's funny because uh, a lot of times these things just don't go away, you know, and this is very fickle. So, I mean, like you're right, back injuries typically will take, you know, days, weeks. Sometimes players have to shut it down for long periods of time to get that back right. So they're going to fight through this for a while there, but all it would take is one twist, one funny hit, and before you know it, he's out again. Now you talked about him being, uh, he's not deficient in the passing game as far mm-hmm. as his hands go. Uh, he actually had some nice plays today in the passing game, but he's just not David Johnson. David Johnson is an elite pass catching back, but this is a guy that could become a great quality running back too if something were to happen to David Johnson. you got to grab him, so... You got him in the league. I assume you're going to handcuff David Johnson this week. Yes, I absolutely will be doing that. You guys should join me in doing that before something bad happens. Carlos Hyde. So he's still 30% available, which doesn't sound like it's really available, but he really shouldn't be that available at all. You know, maybe 5%, 10% available at the most. This week he plays the Colts in week seven. Now he's had double digit carries every week this year. He's a clear lead back, and opportunities half the battle in fantasy, and he's getting all the opportunity there. He is their guy, make no doubt about it. Forget Duke Johnson, forget anything else. In fact, early in the year, there's actually talk that they might bring another back, uh, but that talk seems to kind of die down at this point. They seem satisfied with Carlos Hayes being their lead back at this point. Look at Watson, that offense. They're starting to hit in all cylinders. That's going to continue to open up running lanes, create many red zone opportunities, red zone carries, things like that. Uh, today, his best game is a Texan. 26 carries, 116 yards, and a touchdown. In fact, he's had three touchdowns in the last four games. He's got a yards per carry of 4.3. That's really solid. It's not like he's Peyton Barber. You know, Peyton Barber sometimes is a volume play, but his efficiency is not there. He's actually running pretty well, and he's very efficient in there. So this is a guy that maybe you don't need him. Maybe you've got good quality backs, but you need to stash this guy. You never know when you have an injury or bye week, or just keep him off your opponent's bench. you got to pick up Carlos Hyde. Very solid play. Talk about Royce Freeman. He's a little bit difficult for me. Kind of a quandary here. What do you do with him? He's 30% available. Another guy out there is not widely available, but he is available out there. Now he plays Kansas City next week. Kansas City versus Hyde, Carrion Johnson, Marlon Mack, Jacobs, Ingram all got torched by them. In fact, they all had over 100 yards rushing. Well, I guess I should qualify that. Jacobs only had 99, but they got torched by these guys. You can run against Kansas City. Now, what he really needs probably is an injury to Lindsey. Not that I want to see anybody get hurt, but he needs an injury really to become a weekly guy that you could start Freeman. Um, but if you really understand where he's at in running back by committee, he's played really well. One thing he's also done, he's added to his game this year. He did it a little bit in college, but he's really done it now as a pro, is that he's become a very solid pass catching back. 21 catches for the year. He's got a yards per carry over four. He's constantly getting double digit carries. He's a solid bench stash that I think is important to put on there. You never know late in the year when you're going to need him for something. Adrian Peterson, boy, there's a couple guys that are getting old, just won't hang it up. Him and Frank Gore, right? Uh, Adrian's 41% available. Now he plays San Francisco this week. The 49ers give up the least amount of points to running backs. Now statistically, the best defense out there is the Patriots, right? Okay, but they've had a pretty easy schedule for being very honest. Honestly, for me, the 49ers look like the best defense out there right now. They look scary good. I watched them today versus the Rams. Each week, they're getting better and better. That's a team that I thought, I don't know if they're in there. They're legit. They're legit. That defense is really good. Now, interim coach Bill Callahan uh, believes that the running game is more about uh, attempts than efficiency, and he's committed to running the ball there. Now, I think it's important to know that when you talk about interim coaches, Okay, whatever they may say, the company line they may give, they want to win. A lot of these guys are building their resume, and how they do as an interim coach can lead to a job or starting job there as a head coach. So this guy wants to win. He wants to build his resume. I'm convinced of it. He wants to do well, and they brought back Case Keenum. I think it bodes well for the entire offense there. Now, Peterson finally got an opportunity today. He finally got significant carries, and that led to success. 
but he also finally played the Dolphins, so let's not overestimate him moving forward too, right? Like it was the Dolphins, and they're not a good team at all. But today he goes out and he produces 23 carries, 118 yards, and we advise that you should start him, and he showed why he was a good start this week. Now, if they stay with Case Keenum, I think they will at least late into the year. Um, I think there's going to be a couple more games where you can play Adrian Peterson. He's going to have value. So I would grab him, and I would stash him, but don't play him this week against the 49ers. Yeah, you know, it's funny you talked about guys who are getting old and really should just hang it up at this point. I happen to be sitting next to one of them. Oh, my God, get out of here. All right, I think it's time to address the Buffalo Bills running back situation. And Devin Singletary is 32% available alongside Frank Gore, who is 43% available. First things first, this is a tricky situation because when we looked before Singletary got hurt, Singletary seemed to be the better running back. Frank Gore's yards per carry were bad. And in fact, when they took Gore out and put Singletary in in the second half of that game, things really turned around. Singletary's using the passing game. That offense got going and the Bills really started to move the ball. But then Singletary goes out and Frank Gore starts to look better and better and he improves his yards per carry and he starts to look like a legitimate running back who just apparently hasn't been affected by aging or time or anything like that. So it's a really tricky situation that we're coming into. I'm going to state the obvious. I would say this. I think that Frank Gore is short term, seems to be the guy right now. If you're looking for a plug and play, I might lean towards Frank Gore. Long term, if you're looking for a guy to stash on your bench and just say, I purely want him for upside, that's of course Devin Singletary. Now, this is a great matchup this week against the Miami Dolphins, who have given up the second most fantasy points to running backs. And as you were just talking about, Adrian Peterson last week, they just gave up 118 rushing yards to this guy who's like, what, 78 years old or something at this point? Um, and so I think this is a great matchup. And in fact, Frank Gore has bumped his yards per carry up to 4.4 and is a guy who's uh, averaging, I believe, 15 carries per game. That's definitely going to go down with Singletary playing this week. And I'm very confident that Singletary will be playing this week as he almost played and cleared himself um, heading into week five. Just kind of just barely missed that mark. Um, and they felt like they wanted to hold him off. The trainers did for another week or so. So he will almost definitely be back this week. And again, this certainly turns into a situation of running back by committee where they're really going to hurt each other in value. Having both of them is going to help the Bills team as a whole. And as a coach, from a coach's standpoint, as a fan standpoint, you got to be excited about having two weapon running backs back there. But again, this is a kind of a, a situation I want to avoid. I think they're both guys that you should be stashing. They should be owned and they should be on your bench. But the question is, how do you manage their value? Hopefully, you've got some better running backs to start most weeks, but maybe you capitalize on them this week if you're looking for a plug-and-play or injury replacement. you got to know your league. You've got to know your scoring system. All that matters. So looking at scoring system, when we look at these two backs, I would think Singleton, uh, Singletary has better value in PPR scoring leagues, whereas Gore probably has better value in standard leagues. And once again, that's going to change things. So know your scoring system. It'll change the value of these players maybe who you want to grab. Also, obviously, Dynasty and Redraft matters also. Like you said, Singletary has much greater value in Dynasty leagues. So, Malcolm Brown, 52% available. Dale Henderson, 71% available. They're at Atlanta, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They're allowing 31 points per game. They are really bad, which I love because I have Matt Ryan. I love that they're always down by two touchdowns at halftime because that means he has to throw endlessly. It's great for me. This week, Brown all carried Henderson, who had an extended role, got more touches, got on the field more. Um, and he actually all played Brown. Now, here's the thing. Now, I know a lot of people out there like, this is why we knew Gurley couldn't be trusted. This is why this and that. But that whole argument, if we're being honest, was based on what issue that he had. It was based on his knee and his, his arthritis. His knee issues, yeah, his knees. The knees are going to act up. Knees are going to cause problems. But, yeah, he missed the game due to injury, but it had nothing to do with his knee. His knee is fine. In fact, uh, his knee is good. It was a thigh bruise. And he should be back this week. 
And so that's going to relegate both of those guys back to backups at this point. Um, who are you going to handcuff? One of those guys could be in handcuff, I suppose, especially if you owe Todd Gurley. But now that they're splitting carries, especially now that uh, um, Henderson had an extended look there and he looked pretty good, who's the guy you're going to stash at this point? I'd probably wait one more week until we can figure some things out. At least watch the coach speak this week and see what he has to say. We may talk about it in our starts a video based on the coach's response there. So um, right now, I'm not going to jump on either one of these guys. I think Todd Gurley is going to be back and he's going to be just fine at this point. All right, so Jamal Williams, he is 88% available, and I know that people are going to get excited. They're going to want to go pick this guy up. I'm going to say only pick him up if you have a deep bench in a large league. Other than that, he's simply just a guy to watch. Aaron Jones has been phenomenal the last few games. I mean, absolutely, like, ludicrous, insane. Now, the Packers game this week doesn't happen until tomorrow night, so make sure to watch that Monday night game. Take notes, as always. We're not able to mention everything that happens in that game because it, it happens after this. But this is an interesting situation because he has this big games the last few games, but right before Jamal Williams goes out, the coaches are talking about getting more touches and getting more carries, which we've said countless times. The efficiency, the production, and really all of the effectiveness has been Aaron Jones. I don't know why they want to get Jamal Williams the ball more. I don't understand. Maybe they're seeing some things that we're not seeing, some X's knows, whatever it may be. But the production hasn't been there nearly to the level that Aaron Jones has had it at. That being said, with him back, if they really meant what they said, yeah, this could mean he could get some touches, he could get some carries, whatever, and he could eat into Aaron Jones's value a little bit. He's still not going to be a fantasy-relevant player at this point, or at least relevant to the point of starting. Again, I would keep him on the waiver wire, watch him and pay attention and just see. Alexander Madison, the Vikings rookie running back, they draft. I'm actually after the draft, a lot of experts felt like the Vikings uh, stretch on where they took him in the draft. Well, I'll tell you what, this guy's look great. And I think he won, if you have Delvin Cook, which you do, I think you got to handcuff this guy. Now, obviously, Delvin Cook is a great running back, and he's having a spectacular year, and he's in front of them. Madison is not going to overtake him at this point. But week in and week out, he looks really good. He looked really good in Coach Kubiak's zone blocking scheme there. And with Cook's injury history, which he has going all the way back to college, um, or if you're in a dynasty league, um, he's a guy that you could stash in deep leagues. Once again, if you own Cook, I think you should handcuff him with Alexander Madison. He's looked really good. What about Mark Walton? Of all the running backs, this guy's got to be the most exciting guy this week. Maybe that's just me, but I really feel that way. He is 97% available. Um, he's got some huge, huge upside. Now, he plays the Bills this week, so it's not about this week. This isn't a pick him up and start him this week. That's not why we like him. We like him for his long-term value, particularly next year in 2020, where we feel like he could be a great dynasty stud to keep to watch, a guy to pick up as a solid sleeper for then. As for now, he does have some value this season. Not only have the coaches came out publicly and said that they want to increase his role and kind of keep things moving forward, getting him more touches and more carries. Last week, he had six carries. This week, he had six carries for 32 yards five catches for 43 yards. That's an insane 75 yards off of 5.3 yards per carry. Now I used the word insane a second ago, and you're probably thinking, those numbers aren't that phenomenal. He didn't even go 100 yards. But this is a guy who's 97% available. Some of you, in fact, I would be willing to bet half of you watching this video probably don't even know who this guy is, probably haven't even heard his name. And that's because he's had a very shaky career. 
Uh, he was very effective in college playing there uh, for Miami, but he left before he could finish his senior season, played just five games. And then he comes in his, his rookie year. This is his sophomore year, by the way. He comes in his rookie year playing for the Bengals and is buried behind Joe Mixon, who's, of course, a very effective back end in that team. And then he comes out this year, and he has an offseason arrest. I think a lot of teams don't want much to do with him. He's had a very inconsistent career in college, and starting out his NFL career wasn't very huge. Uh, but this guy's got all the talent in the world, and he's really been overlooked because of some of those issues, because of leaving college early, the arrest, and things like that. And so... The effectiveness is there, and especially because Kalen Balazs has worked himself out of a job, and with the trade rumors and everything going on with Kenyon Drake, they have made it abundantly clear that he is not the future running back of that team, and they are not going to stick with him for years to come. Mark Walton like has huge dynasty value at this point. Every year, uh, people say, man, why can't I get the next Odell Beckham? Why can't I get the next James Conner? Pay attention. Mark Walton could very well be the next James Conner. I, I really feel that way. Yeah, you know, you talked about uh, he didn't play senior year. His junior only played five games. It was yards per carry, got better in college. He showed some potential. Drafted by Cincinnati wasn't that great there. You never know. You're right. I mean, throw him on your bench. Uh, maybe it's nothing, but there's always that one guy out there. You look at like Arian Foster, you know. Uh, guys like that do come around, and it's great to have a guy like him on his bench who's got potential. And they're going to look to the future. This is rebuilding. So they're going to test a lot of these younger guys out, see what they're made of, see if they're going to play a part in their 2020 season there. So definitely worth a bench stash at this point. All right, so wide receiver Jacoby Myers, he is 99% available. Uh, we want to mention this guy. Uh, I'm going to temper your expectations a little bit. I don't think that he's a guy that you should pick up, but we do have to mention him because of his production. The reason I don't think you should pick him up is he currently stands as the New England Patriots wide receiver four. They've got Julian Edelman, they've got Philip Dorsett, and they've got Josh Gordon. That right there really bears him on the depth chart, not to mention James White, who is a very effective pass catcher out of the backfield. So for that reason, essentially coming in as the fifth target in that offense, uh, I don't think that you should pick him up. But he's been productive. We're going to talk about why he needs to be on your radar. In a lot of fantasy leagues, you can click the watch button, watch this player, hear news about this player. That's what I would do with this guy. Um, because with Josh Gordon's injury, he goes out on their Thursday night game and doesn't come back. Uh, he was riding a stationary bike, which says the injury wasn't too bad. And he does have 10 games in between their last game and their next. So he's got 10 days, yeah. 10, day, 10, 10 games. 10, he's got 10 days, excuse me. So he's got a lot of time to recover. Even if Josh Gordon does miss, uh, Jacoby Myers, you know, still, it's not like he's a wide receiver one or two at that point, but he did have four targets, four catches, and 54 yards. They talk about quarterbacks, talk about running backs, different players who are a product of their system. He is in the ultimate system, the New England Patriots. It seems like they could pick up a guy from the local grocery store and turn him into the next Super Bowl MVP. Um, so Jacoby Myers is a guy to watch, but again, just a guy to watch. I wouldn't waste a bench spot on him as you know, if Josh Gordon is out, he may have a game or two with some value, but then Gordon comes back and it's just like whatever at this point. So again, watch him, but don't pick him up. Yeah, you know, we talk about guys that come out of nowhere. Now, for some of you may not have heard this guy, he may surprise you, but he actually made a lot of preseason noise. So mm -hmm. uh, what we're seeing here and what happened in the preseason could be translating to something. This guy might eventually find a role there in the team, but I agree with you right now. You're not going to put him on your bench, but you definitely need to watch him. Long-term value is huge. Um, Josh Gordon is a guy I don't perceive being a Patriot stud wide receiver for the next five years running. I very well could see them moving on. If they get a guy like Jacoby Myers who develops well to go along with Julian Edelman, he could very well be the number two. Who knows? But again, that's future. This is more of a dynasty watch. 
All right, now we're going to take a look at Deshaun Jackson, 30% available. This is a guy you need to pick up now before you can. In fact, I'm surprised he's 30% available. Not terribly surprised, but at least a little bit surprised. He goes out week one. He has eight catches, 154 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he's a guy, again, pick up now before he has another big game. He's eyeing a return in week seven. At least that's reports are saying. And he's a guy who could have another big week in that game. Uh, I believe they play at Dallas in that game coming up this next week. And it's a situation where the Cowboys defense and that team has looked very good. But what we saw this last week against the Jets, they've started to struggle these last few games and looked less than impressive. And so they're very well a beatable team. They're not quite as good as we thought they were coming out of the first few weeks, or at least as many people thought they were. Um, now, typically with a guy like Deshaun Jackson, they have big days. And the first thing I like to do is stop and say, what are his targets? What are his catches? Guys can have two catches for 100 yards and two touchdowns, and they get really exciting, but you see those two catches were just flukes, and the volume wasn't there. But he had eight catches. That is a very dependable uh, amount of catches, and that's because they've got really this, um, I guess, possession-wide receiver in Alshon Jeffrey, and they need a bit of a burner, a big play guy, a guy to stretch the defense, and that is absolutely Deshaun Jackson. And you know who absolutely capitalizes on deep ball wide receivers as a great deep ball arm? Is he actually a very good quarterback as a whole? Carson Wentz. I think that he fits from a very good system in Carson Wentz being a great quarterback. Um, in fact, they had this game where they had a pretty bad game against the Vikings and they lost, but he still threw for 300 plus yards. So it was a good day for him. Again, um, somebody left this comment a couple weeks ago, or I believe it was last week when we mentioned picking up Deshaun Jackson before he returns. And they said, you know, but he makes me nervous. He has great games and then terrible games. That's okay. Do you want to miss out on him? You can bench him when he's got a bad matchup, but do you want to miss out on him when he has 154 yards and two touchdowns? No, you don't. This is a guy you pick up. Oftentimes, you may not play him every week, but you want to capitalize on those huge days. He's a guy who can go out there and win fantasy games for you off of his, his day alone. But that's my wrap-up for this very simple situation. Again, 30% available. Go out and get him before he has another huge day and he's snatched up off your waiver wire. Yeah, you know, it's nice to avoid inconsistency, but really it's happened out there. I mean, look at, uh, you know, Mike Evans has been inconsistent. We go down the line, you know, even Hopkins has been inconsistent. So that's going to happen. Even great players have off weeks. You're right. It's nice to find somebody that has a little more uh, consistency, but still as a wide receiver three, which is probably we're going to play him. That's good production. Now I'm going to talk about wide receiver A.J. Green. He is 25% available. Uh, this looks like he could very well be back for week seven against the Jaguars. Now, Good for him. He came back and he practiced on Thursday, October 10th, though he was very limited in practice. He was not able to do that much. It was his first practice since July 27th, so he's had a lot of time off. I'm not going to waste a lot of time telling you about how great A.J. Green has been throughout his career. If you don't know who he is, look him up, though I imagine 90% of people watching this video do. He has been extremely, extremely effective. However, he's 31 years old. He is a rusty, haven't played for a while. And you know what? I imagine when he comes back, he's still not going to be quite 100%. And with the production of Tyler Boyd, what he's been able to do, to be quite honest, and Rob, tell me if I'm wrong because I don't want to mislead anyone, I have to imagine AJ Green's going to return and Tyler Boyd remains the number one wideout. Yeah, I'm just going to take a while him to get back in shape. And uh, here's the other thing, too. I mean, one, number one, number two, I mean, is that matters when it comes to matchups, maybe value for the lineup of a good cornerback. But the Cincinnati Bengals are not a good team. Their defense is not very good, although they made some improvement there. But they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. So for me, personally, as an owner, whether he's number one, number two, or I guess that really don't matter that much. But I think you're going to see it's going to take a while to get back. The first week, you'll probably play, I don't know how many snaps, 25 to maybe 30 snaps. It's hard to tell for certain, but you're right. I think Boyd's going to be their guy for a while. Yeah, and definitely it's one of those situations. He's too good not to pick up, put him on your bench. 
if nothing else, he becomes a wide receiver five to help shore out your bench. And again, like I said, he's a guy who I think he's going to come in, play second fiddle to Boyd, but he's going to get better every week. He's 31 years old. It's going to take him time to recover from this injury and to get some of that rust off. But Green is too good not to stash on your bench. I mean, seriously, he's been so effective throughout his career. You have to do it. you got to pick him up. So I'm ready for the comments. I'm ready to hear it. Let's talk about Golden Tate. 40% available out there, right? Versus Arizona, allowing the 14th most points to wide receiver. The Cardinals' defense is not good. They've been bad. They allow 28 points per game. Uh, 28 20.5 to be exact, the 20th in the NFL in that number. They also allowed 284 passing yards per game. Once again, that defense is not good. Um, going back to Thursday's game, and I start the video, if you watch it, you know what I said. Um, not only that, but I also talked to a few people that asked me specifically what should I do with Golden Tate in that game. Should I start him versus the Patriots? I said you should sit him. Don't play him. I guess I'm meeting Crow, right? Let's go back to that. He had a really nice game. He had uh, six catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Would I change my advice if I had to go back? Um, based on the information, I would not change a thing. Uh, in fantasy, I believe it's important to stick to the numbers and the matchups. If not, you know, if you do that, if you stick to the numbers and the matchups, and you put your feelings aside and you stick to the facts, nine out of ten times you're going to win and you're going to have long-term success. You start playing hunches and feelings. Um, sometimes it'll work out like gambling, but usually it's going to end poorly for you. Let's take a look at that game and think about it. And, and now you know why I'm going to talk about this in just a second. Uh, in that Patriots game, okay, I think the game script played out exactly the way we expected it to. This is the concern that we had. Daniel Jones had 160 passing yards only with three picks. That's an awful day. Okay, going into the game, we knew that Tate faced shutdown defense, allowing under 10 points per game going back to last year, week eight. Facing arguably the best corner in the league, Stephon Gilmore. With Barkley, Ingram, and Shepard out, he might see double teams. And put in its context, um, on his touchdown, he made a very nice play, had great concentration on the ball, but he was really inches from being incomplete pass. The corner was actually all over him. It was great coverage. In fact, he got his hand on the ball, um, but he was able to keep his eyes on there, concentrated. You take away that one catch, he would have had five catches, 38 yards. All the credit to all the owners out there that needed to or had the guts to start him. You guys were right, and I was wrong. But let's go back to his value. Golden Tate came out, had a good week. She, we grab him. Does he a guy that has a waiver wire value? Okay, here's what I would say about Golden Tate and his value going forward, right? Um, any player in the right matchup, in the right situation, in the right scoring system has value. You just got to know who that is. You have to know the right situation. But I want to consider a few things so we can properly evaluate Golden Tate. One, Shepard Evans, or Evan Ingram, I should say. Shepard and Evan Ingram and Barkley were out, and all three of them are going to return. And when they do, they most likely are going to be ahead of them in terms of touches. Definitely, I would say Evan Ingram and Barkley. But Sterling Shepard is an underrated wide receiver. Very good there. At least what it's going to do is spread out those touches considerably. So it's going to be hard for him to get consistent touches there. Golden Tate won't be their number one option. Make no mistake about that. This team is rebuilding with Daniel Jones, and those other weapons are younger than Golden Tate. Now, if you look at Tate's history, you can really tell exactly who he is. It's abundantly clear his ceiling and his value. And he's been a slot receiver who have a high number of catches, but lower yards per catch and lower touchdowns. So his value tops out as a wide receiver three in large PPR leagues. Yes, he has value. I say his value is, like I said, as wide receiver three or flex play in large PPR leagues. So he had a great game. If you start him, good for you. Um, I wouldn't overreach for him. Um, don't overreact to his game versus the Patriots. Grab him, but don't reach on where you're going to put him or don't overvalue him. So here's my take on him. Well, absolutely. And we got to talk about Barkley, not back. Evan Ingram, not back. Sterling Shepard, not back. 
Um, and because he's sort of a possession wide receiver, he's a good dependable wide out, but he's not the deep ball threat. That means a guy like Cody Latimer, he still holds on to at least a small piece of that offense. There's just so many weapons there. I can't see this guy having long-term value. Again, every guy has a big game. Good for him. Uh, again, I don't know if you could trust that though. So I want to talk about a wide receiver for Cincinnati Tate, 77% available versus the Jags next week. Uh, that's a defense that's lost some of the bite they had from two years ago when they were really dominant defense, but they're still capable of making life tough for quarterbacks and wide receivers. Now, Jen Ramsey could be back in this game. We'll see. He's asked to be traded. He's having back issues. Who knows? But if he does come back, I think there's a strong likelihood that he's going to pair up or see a lot of uh, Tyler Boyd in this one. So I think it's going to leave Tate open there. Now, the second year wide receiver uh, in the last four weeks has had some decent games in terms of fantasy production. This last week, he had five catches, 91 yards. Um, the week before, he had a touchdown. Um, he had six catches, 88 yards in week three. So he's a guy who's had some value there. Now, he scored double-digit points in three of the last four fantasy games that he's been in. So he's been, like I said, had some value there. Um, now, his value is only temporary. You just talked about A.J. Green's going to be back soon. Um, eventually, Ross is going to come back at some point. So um, he's a guy that could have value maybe for a game or two there. He's a stream play um, at this point, but he's a guy that if you're in a large league, we're in two 16-team leagues. Uh, some people started him, and, and he was kind of helped them have some good games. So Tate is a guy that you could pick up. Let's talk about Christian Kirk. They're 21% available. Now, he's missed some time with an ankle injury. He should be back very soon. In fact, he was a game-time decision earlier in this week. That's what the coach had said, game-time decision. So he's really trending towards returning week seven. If he does, he's got a great matchup versus the Giants, allowing the fourth most points to wide receivers. Now, before week four, when he got injured, he had 32 targets over three weeks. That was phenomenal. I love Kyler Murley. Each week, he's getting better and better. You know, as a quarterback, he's getting more comfortable there, maturing. I think that him and uh, Christian Kirk are going to have a great combination for years to come. I think he's got a great pickup there. If you're one of the, uh, was a one of every five leagues, he should be available. I'd grab this guy and put him on your bench. He'll have some value. I think his value is higher in PPR leagues, though, and then standard. What about Tyrell Williams at 26% available? Guys, I'm going to keep this short and I'm going to keep this sweet. These videos get long, but uh, let's get to the point. This guy had four touchdowns in the first four games. Then he gets injured, but hey, he's got a bye week last week giving him two weeks to recover, twice as much time as most players who are banged up have to recover. This is a guy you got to pick up. Again, he's not super highly available, but a quarter of all leagues... I'm in, how many leagues am I in? Like six or seven leagues. That means he's available in one or two of those leagues. That seems absurd to me. I think most of you guys who are in competitive leagues will see he's not out there. But if you're in a more casual league, take advantage of that and pick this guy up. You cannot argue with the production. Uh, Derek Carr's not an amazing quarterback, uh, but you see that he's getting the ball to his number one wide receiver. And you know what? Touchdowns are king. That's what counts. And go pick this guy up if you can. Talk about Marvin Jones, 26% available. Now, versus the Vikings this week, and the Vikings defense is playing really, really good this year. In fact, they really only had one bad stretch versus the Packers. Otherwise, they played pretty great. Uh, I think that limits the ceiling this week there. But this guy's had some big games in the past versus the Vikings. Now, on the year, um, he's averaging 69 yards per game and six catches. Not great numbers, but solid numbers there. Now, with Galladay there, Galladay is really their team's best wide receiver, and he generally will draw the harder lineup as far as the cornerbacks, double teams, things like that, freeing up Jones to, to uh, hopefully have a lesser matchup or an easier matchup as far as the defensive backfield goes there. Look at Jones. He can have value as a wide receiver three. If you're an owner, that's a need. And I would say if you're a 12-team league or larger, he's a guy that you'll, from time to time, be able to play him in the right matchup, so pick him up. At 36% available, D.D. Westbrook's a guy you got to consider. Uh, he's far from this amazing, phenomenal wide receiver, but over the last four games, he's averaging 8.4 targets and five catches a game. That's pretty impressive, and you consider he's done that against Tennessee, Denver, Carolina, and the New Orleans Saints. That is four good defenses in a row. 
Now he's going to a much easier schedule against the Bengals, the Jets, Houston. Then he has a bye week and then the Indianapolis Colts. So if you're getting eight targets and five catches a game, that number could very well go up in a much easier matchup. So pick this guy up now before he gets going on that hot streak. They always say play the hot hand, but you know what's nice? I like to get in before that guy gets hot. And I think this very well could be the time to do that. He's not going to be an amazing wide receiver too, but he could come in some weeks for you as a wide receiver three and be just fine. Talk about John Brown, 32% available versus Miami again with the ninth most points to wide receivers. So last week, the Redskins rookie wide receiver Terry McLaurin had a big game versus Miami. Uh, huge four catches, two touchdowns, 100 yards. Although I will say this, Terry's a special talent. We've been pushing him all year long. Uh, in fact, we pushed him last week really hard. Uh, I started him in a couple leagues. I started him in Daily Fantasy. Guy's very talented. But the bottom line is the Miami team gives up a lot of points to wide receivers. Now, Ninth most points to wide receivers doesn't sound too impressive, but I think it's impressive when you consider this, okay? Look at Miami. Uh, they have been outscored 180 to 42. That's a 138-point differential. And a lot of teams that have played them in the second half of games have a need to throw the balls off and they're running the ball, controlling the clock. And so uh, eighth, or I'm sorry, the ninth most points to wide receivers probably should be a lot worse if those games are close to all and they're not. That number could be much higher. Now, Brown's not in what I would call high-scoring offense there, and his numbers aren't awe-inspiring, but they're very solid. For the year, he's averaging 5.6 catches per game and 78 receiving yards. And he's got a great play this weekend in a matchup where I would say, based on matchup, I think he could be played in larger leagues as a wide receiver two and midsize or smaller leagues as a wide receiver three. Got to grab John Brown and play him this week. Yeah. DK Metcalf, 41% available versus Baltimore heading into this weekend. The Baltimore Ravens have allowed 10th most points to wide receivers. Now, he still learns a rookie. He missed some time in the preseason, things like that. But this guy's got a lot of skills, and his talent is very high. Tate went out for four catches, 69 yards. And that number is kind of what he's been doing all year long. Um, about average production for him. And that's kind of around his level. You look at minus week four, he's been averaging 66 receiving yards per game. Now, he's not a great weekly start, but he's a guy that you need to stash. Usually runs what I would call kind of a borderline wide receiver four based on matchup league size, things like that. But in weeks eight or nine, he's got some very nice matchups versus Tampa Bay and Atlanta. So pick this guy up now in anticipation of that. And if you have a large leagues or if you have some issues, bye weeks, injuries, things like that, I think he'd be a wide receiver three and have some big games for you. Talk about the Jets wide receiver. Start with Robbie Anderson, 41% available. And then there's Jameis Crowder, 58% available. And Demarius Thomas, 96% available. Talk about all three of those guys there. Uh, they got a tough matchup against a good New England defense this week coming up there. But I want to break down Anderson first. Start with Robbie Anderson, right? So back in 2017, he finished that year really strong. And many thought he was going to be poised to have kind of a, a breakout. He could come out borderline wide receiver one in 2018. We were all, uh, I know a lot of fantasy that were big on this guy, but that didn't happen. Mostly due to the fact that they had a rookie quarterback, Sam Darnold. I think that was really a lot of the issue that he had there. But then once again, at the end of 2018, he did the same thing he did the year before. He built a rapport with Sam Darnold there, and he looked really good. In fact, three of his last four games, he averaged seven catches, 104 receiving yards, and a touchdown in all three of them. So maybe this is his breakout year, right? Well, then Sam ends up with mono, and the quarterback situation is a mess. They had Luke Fall, Trevor Simeon, but Sam is back. Came back today, and Anderson goes out and has a big day. Five catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. If you break him down, he's a speedster, he's athletic, but he's got a smaller frame. He's 6'3", but only 190. Now you look at Jameson Crowder, he's a smaller slot receiver. Now he showed promise for the Redskins often, but he often disappointed. Uh, a lot of people thought he was about to have a breakout year, he'd have a couple hot games, three or four games, like, okay, this guy's finally tracking there, and then he would just disappear again. Now, being a slot receiver with his skill set and where he's at, I think he's got a lower ceiling than some of the other ones, but he does have good rapport with Sam Darnold. In fact, in the preseason, they talked about what great rapport him and Sam Darnold had. And that connection, um, was very strong and they proved it in week one. Those guys 14 catches in 99 yards. They just fed him over and over. Sam just kept looking his way. Well, Sam returns today and that report continues. He has nine catches, 98 yards. 
Now the targets were a little lower today than they were week one. Today he only had nine targets in week one. He had 17. And I think with all the weapons that they have there, he's not going to get 17 targets again. Okay, it's just probably not going to happen. Now look at Thomas. Demarius Thomas is what you're more prototypical wide receiver. Now he's had back-to-back -back weeks with four catches and averaging about 55 yards per week. He's got the best resume of the three of the guys, but he's also the oldest of the three. So here it is. Robbie Anderson's value is higher in standard leagues. He has the most up upside of all three of those wide receivers. He has wide receiver two talent and the ceiling that he could get there if everything falls in place for him. He's the guy that I would probably grab at this point um, because I would imagine you're probably not going to depend on him, but you're looking for that borderline wide receiver three or four at this point. Crowder. Um, Crowder's value is as uh, solely in PPR scoring. You're only going to play him in PPR leagues as a flex or wide receiver three in 12 team leagues or larger. And Thomas is somebody that uh, I would monitor him. Um, see if his role expands, if he becomes more familiar with the offense, builds rapport with Sam Darnold at this point. There has been reports, so keep your eye on this, that the Patriots are desperately looking for a veteran wide receiver. And they're actually considering uh, reacquiring Demarius Thomas because they had him there before and they're looking for somebody. So he could be your guy there. All right, so it's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers receiving situation. Now, the first thing I want to note is that we're recording this video on Sunday night, so you guys have ample amount of time to watch this video and to digest the information, to leave comments, and, and for us to respond and give you some advice for your waiver wire claims. That does mean we aren't able to talk much about the Monday night game, but you should pay attention to the Monday night game, which is Packers versus Lions. Uh, Pierce Devontae Adams is going to miss another week. Guy looks very frustrated as he had a setback with his recovery on his toe, and again, it doesn't seem like he's going to be playing this week. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is 35% available, and Geronimo Allison is 70% available. you got to watch these guys. If they have a good game, which, you know, who knows? Again, this is watch them and see if they do. They very well could with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. They could be worth picking up, especially because next week, week seven, they play the Oakland Raiders, whose pass defense is not very good, and they could have another good week. But again, I don't have a lot to say on this because they haven't yet played this week. Just monitor them, pay attention, and see what happens. Oh, I've got the uh, 49ers wide receiving situation. This is a difficult situation. You've got Marquez Goodwin, Debo Samuel, and Dante Pettis. I'll say this, Dante Pettis, um, probably of those three guys is the weakest at this point. What I've seen, Marquez Goodwin, Debo Samuel seem to be the number one guys. Again, that goes against what we were expecting coming into this year based on what the coaches were saying. But I guess if he's just not getting it done, they had to move on. Now, they've got a great matchup in Week 7 versus the Washington Redskins, giving up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. So that's great. And here's the interesting thing. Both Samuels and Goodwin, uh, they looked very good earlier in the year. At least they looked much better earlier in the year than they did the last two games. And so what's up the last two games? Are they trending down? Is that offense struggling? What's going on? Well, part of that can be explained by the last two games. The 49ers have won by 41 points difference in the last two games. So they're over the last two games are averaging a victory by 20.5 20.5 point differential, excuse me. Hopefully that is clear. And so they're just not needing to throw the ball a lot. That team is just predicated, built, and dedicated to playing very good defense and running the ball with their very versatile running backs. They've also got George Kittle and like six different backs that can catch out of the backfield. Um, and so I think that in games that are closer, these guys are going to get more use. They're going to get more value. But their ceiling is limited simply by the blueprint of the way that team wins games. I don't see them winning games by, uh, as you talked about, Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't see them winning games by him throwing the ball 40 times. And so they do have limited value, but they are highly available. And I think their value is going to recover from what it's been the last two weeks. Yeah, those are guys probably all guys that I would prefer to avoid at this point, mm -hmm. uh, honestly. But keep an eye on them. You never know what can change an injury. A guy gets hot. Um, who knows? 
Talk about Zay Jones, not much to say here. He's 96% available. Oakland traded for Zay Jones, former second-round pick in 2017 there. He led the Bills in receiving last year, and obviously Gruden likes him, and he's really rebuilding that wide receiver core there. Um, liked him enough to trade for the guy. In fact, Gruden spent the bye week really catching him up to speed there. Sounds like John Gruden really likes him quite a bit there, but he's not somebody you're going to pick up. He's a guy that you said earlier, you're going to click, watch, list, and just see what he does the next few weeks. Um, is he going to have a significant role or not? So just keep an eye on him. All right, so how can we not be extremely excited about Hunter Henry? This is a guy who, sort of similar to Robbie Anderson, where he just, for years, we were expecting this guy to break out. But he's been held back by injuries. He has. Goes in the last season, and people are excited. This was supposed to be the year he was supposed to break out, be the stud. Uh, Antonio Gates was finally gone, and he was going to be the guy. Preseason, tears his ACL, misses the year. This could very well be the year for him, and I think what happens is burn bias and just hearing this guy's name year after year and him not really producing and being hurt, people kind of forget about how good he could be. He was expected to be, um, in years past, ranked as the wide, or excuse me, the tight end three or a tight end four as a top elite tight end and expected to compete with Zach Ertz and that sort of range, uh, but again, was really held back. He comes out week one, he has four catches for 60 yards, and sure enough, the poor guy gets hurt and misses a few more weeks. Seems like he's cursed. And so even I am sitting back thinking like, is this guy ever going to be healthy? Maybe he's just not going to be legitimate. But you know what? He proved himself today. Nine targets, eight catches, 99 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, everyone was absolutely right in predicting that this guy could be extremely dominant. And that's very funny because I play Pittsburgh Steelers. They get down. I mean, I believe they were down 21 nothing at one point, become extremely one-dimensional. And he wasn't even expected to play this game. In fact, what we had last heard a couple of days ago was Coach Anthony Lynn, quote, wouldn't rule him out, which is coach speak for he's probably not going to play, but we don't want to make anything certain of it. Sure enough, he happens to play, which he's still maybe not even 100%, although what we saw today, he must have been 100% with his knee, but he's, he's insane. Nine for eight, or excuse me, eight catches off nine targets, basically has 100 yards, he has two touchdowns. And what we saw from that, he's competing as the number one target from Rivers as Keenan Allen is. And, and the production is absolutely there. This is a guy at 48% available, go get him now if you can. Unfortunately, if you're like me in a lot of leagues, he's either A, already owned, or B, you don't have the waiver claim and somebody else is going to get him. But Hunter Henry is too good not. you got to pick this guy up. Especially if somebody out there, Will Dizzy owners right now, are probably pretty sad tonight. He's a guy you got to grab. Coach did say as it got closer to the game that he might play, but he did come out and say, well, he'll play in a limited role. Um, so apparently his snap count was restricted and still had a huge game. So. That was limited. I'd love to see what he does in a full snap count. Dawson Knox, 93% available versus Miami Long, the seventh most points to tight ends. Uh, he's showing he's got talent upside, uh, has made some very acrobatic catches. Looks like he's a guy that's going to have a great career there, but he's more of a stash than a play at this point. But that position tight end is very thin. Just talked about the injuries to it, lack of uh, consistency by a lot of players. So if you don't have a top 10 tight end option, I'd grab him and put him on your bench. Talk about Jimmy Graham, 20% available uh, versus Oakland. Now, um, he's well beyond the days when he played for New Orleans when he was an amazing tight end there. But with Adams out and no establish a great number two wide receiver at this point, um, I think he's a guy that you could play. Uh, I think his value, I think he's at higher value in standard leagues. Now, he doesn't have the speed they used to have. He's not going to get the separation he used to have, but he's still a huge target. And the red zone target's going to be there, as we saw a couple years ago in Seattle when I think he had 10 touchdowns. So he's a guy that uh, you could definitely grab and play. All right, so what about Jared Cook? You're talking about New Orleans just a second ago, and now we've got Jared Cook in. This is an interesting situation because um, 
First of all, he's got a good matchup this week going against the Bears along the 10th most fantasy points to tight ends. And he is 30% available. He's absolutely a guy that you should look at. He started off the year and things looked good. He had a very mediocre game one, but that's his first game there playing in that offense. And they really had to figure some things out, that's for sure. Then game two is when I believe like halfway through the game or whatever, it is that Drew Brees gets hurt. He had seven targets that game, but he wasn't very productive. He had just two catches for 25 yards. And so he's really been struggled by... Game one, he's just getting into it. Game two, Breeze gets hurt. Uh, game three is Teddy Bridgewater's first start, and they had just absolutely blew out Seattle that game and just didn't need to throw the ball a lot. But in the last three games where Teddy Bridgewater has finally settled into his role as the starter, he's had some good numbers. He went uh, six targets, three catches, 21 yards. That's far from great. But then he has six targets, four catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown. And last week, he catches all three of his targets for 37 yards and a touchdown. Um, he has been very productive, uh, very, very productive. Touchdowns in back-to-back -back weeks. Combine that with a good matchup this week and Teddy Bridgewater really finding himself as the starting quarterback. And, and when I mean, say, finding myself, of course, he's found himself woken up and, hey, look, I'm the starter. He's many weeks in a row now, uh, but really settling in and saying, hey, He's starting to play like a starter. He has been very effective and very much gotten the job done. Jared Cook is a guy who's really at the beginning of what I think is a hot streak, starting to be a hot hand. Play him in this matchup. I think he could be a very good start. TJ Hawkinson, 37% available versus Minnesota next week. Uh, got to watch tomorrow night's game. It's not like he's going to be active. He was in concussion protocol and missed some games. I got just saw that one game just knocked out. So I'm glad to see that he's back and playing there. Uh, he showed week one why he's a first-round pick. This guy's got a lot of talent there. And with, once again, the tight end position being so thin, he's a guy that you definitely have to watch. Another guy we're going to talk about just briefly. He's not there, but talk about Ricky Seals-Jones. We talked about him a few times, especially when he went back to Arizona. He was a converted wide receiver in college and became a tight end. So he's got the skills there. He's had touchdowns two of the last three weeks. Now he's played four weeks there for Cleveland now that David Njoku is out. Um, he's had two really good games, two solid games, and two games where he really disappointed and kind of disappeared. Uh, but if you're really desperate, once again, that's another one where you can just throw him on your bench. Who knows what may happen there. That Cleveland Browns team's got to figure some things out there. Hopefully they'll get back on track. 